couple of years ago when uh, Steve Jobs founded Apple Computers, they had no idea that the company would take off like it did. But as all of us know, it absolutely exploded. And one of the discoveries that Steve Jobs made um, was as this company began to grow and grow, he realized that uh, he has an incredibly creative mind and he is really good with coming up with ideas. What he wasn't really good at was management. And as this company was growing, he realized he needed someone else while he was thinking about products and all of this kind of stuff, product development, he needed someone who could think about the company and how to develop the structure of the company. And so he began to look around and he wanted to recruit someone who could become the new CEO of, of Apple. And um, one of the leading CEOs in the country at that time was a guy by the name of John Scully, who was heading up PepsiCo, the Pepsi Corporation. And John was really known for his, he was just had a great mind. He was uh, really great at turning organizations around. And so Steve Jobs was recruiting uh, John Scully, but really didn't have, um, really couldn't get him to commit to come. And time and time again, Scully turned him down. And then one day, Steve Jobs ended up in John Scully's office, and he was really pushing on him, you know, you really need to leave here. You really need to come to work for Apple. And John Scully looks across his desk at Steve Jobs, and he says, Jobs, you can't afford me. He said, for you to hire me, he said, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you a million dollars to buy out my current contract. It's going to cost you a million dollars a year in salary. It's going to cost you a million dollar signing bonus, and it's going to cost you a million dollars in benefits. And quite frankly, dude, you don't have that kind of money. And Steve Jobs knew that he was right, and he put his head down, and then he looked up at John Scully, and here's what he said. He said, Scully, answer me a question. He said, do you really want to spend the rest of your life making bottled sugar water? Or do you want a chance to change the world? And John Scully said it was that question that opened his eyes and he realized, I want my life to be a part of something bigger. And so John Scully left PepsiCo and came to become the new CEO of Apple. And then the rest, as they say, is history. Questions can change everything. In fact, I'm going to tell you that most of us get stuck in life because we don't ask the right questions. Questions make us think. Good questions. Good questions make us go deep inside of ourselves. Good questions help us see life from a different perspective. The right questions can absolutely change us. And that's the series I want to kick off beginning today. Um, I was thinking about this some time ago, and I was thinking about how questions really really penetrate our hearts sometimes. And then I began to think about the fact that all through the Bible, there are these really incredible questions that get asked, sometimes by God, sometimes by people. But they are questions that we, when we really reflect on them, they cause us to go inside of ourselves and they cause us to have to respond. And so for the next several weeks, I want to I be in this series called Killer Questions. Now here's the deal. I want you to open your heart through this series to the questions that God may really want to pose to you. Can you do that with me? Would you do this for me this morning? Would you just, would you bow your head? 
Would you close your eyes and would you just repeat this prayer from the heart after me? Holy Spirit, I open my heart to you to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can uh, pull that out and take notes and keep it up this morning. We're going we're gonna to zoom through this fairly quickly. I want to look at a passage of Scripture, one that will be familiar to, to a lot of you, maybe most of you, but it really poses a great question for us. By the way, in front of you on the back of the pews, there are Bibles. And uh, those Bibles are our gift to you. If you need a Bible, feel free to take one home. If you have a friend who needs a Bible, feel free to take one to them. Uh, you can track along with us. Those are great little uh, NIV Bibles that you can use. We'll throw all the verses up on the screen for you this morning uh, if you want to track that way as well. Genesis chapter 3, if you remember the story, God has created man and woman. He's put them in the garden. And he said, you know what? I want you to enjoy life. This whole world is yours. You can enjoy all the fruit of everything in the garden. There's just one tree that you can't eat from, and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, what happens? That becomes the one tree they go to. It's like having kids, isn't it? You know, you can do anything but this, and that's exactly what they do. And so, and so they do. And as the Bible says, when they, when they ate from that tree, their eyes was open, were opened, and they realized good and evil, and they became very aware of what they had done, and they're, and they're filled with shame. And here's what happens, beginning at verse 8. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from God. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but when the Lord, but, but the Lord called to the man, here's the question, say it out loud with me, where are you? Say it again, where are you? That's the question I want to pose to you today. Look at me, make eye contact. Where are you? Where are you on this journey of faith, in this relationship with God, in this man-God thing that he has established? Where are you? You know, when I, when I you know, just kind of paused on that question, I, I realized that a, a lot of us are probably at a lot of different places on this journey. In fact, I, I put several of them there on your outline. Are, are you hiding? Are you hiding? Are, are you like Adam, hiding? Uh, maybe, maybe you too have done something that you know you shouldn't have done. Maybe you've got things you're trying to cover up. Maybe you've felt God kind of nudging you and you've been kind of dodge and weave. And, and are, are you hiding from God this morning? Hiding from yourself? Are you growing? I, th I thought about this and I thought, you know what? It's okay to be growing. You know, the, the, the cool thing is, you know, when God created Adam, the Bible says that Adam, Adam and God used to walk together in the garden in the cool of the day. I mean, that was the, actually the Hebrew idea of perfection, was man and God walking together in the garden in the cool of the day. And there was this wonderful exchange and growing relationship. And maybe that's where you're at. You know, maybe you're at a great place with God. Maybe some of you would say, Pastor Steve, man, I've, I've, I'm, I'm at the best place I've ever been with God. I, I feel like I'm leaning into him every day. I feel like I'm growing in God. I feel like I'm becoming that man or woman that he wants to be. And that's okay. Maybe, maybe you're at a great place. Are you ignoring Here's what I guarantee you. There are some of us sitting here today watching online, and here's what I can tell you. Some of you are ignoring God. You, you've heard his voice, uh, but you don't want to hear what he has to say. Um, how many of you, when, when your mother used your full name, you knew you were in trouble? Anybody do that? 
you know, it's so funny. I still get traumatized because my name is, I, I go by Steve, but every once in a while when I'm at a, at a place checking in someplace and they see my driver's license, my real name is Stephen Eugene Childs. And every once in a while, somebody will say, they'll call me, uh, well, Stephen. And I, whenever they say Stephen, I kind of flinch because, you know, that would be when my mom would come to the stairs and go, Stephen Eugene. It's like, man, I'm, I, all of a sudden I went deaf. You know what I'm saying? It's like I, I, I ignored her. Sometimes that's, that's how we are with God. Maybe you're sulking. Maybe you're sulking. My guess is a lot of us would say there are times that God has disappointed us. God didn't answer prayer the way we wanted him to. God didn't do something that we really expected God to do. I bought five lottery tickets and God didn't let me hit on any one of them. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe we're, we're sulking today. And how about struggling? I promise you, there are some of you, this is exactly where you're at. You, not that you haven't committed your life to Christ, you probably have. But you're walking through a place in your life where you're going, Steve, I'm struggling. Um, I may be struggling to believe in God. Uh, maybe I'm struggling to believe that God really has a plan or a purpose for me. Maybe, maybe I'm struggling with the idea that uh, I can't seem to find the strength to really do what I know I need to do. Maybe, maybe you're struggling. How about hurting? Some of you, maybe you're hurting. Some of you may have gone through some losses recently. And you're feeling very alone. Uh, or, or maybe there have been some things that have happened in your life that have just caused you some great pain. And maybe, maybe you came today and you're smiling at people and you're, you know, but you're really you're hurting. That kind of gets me to the next one. Maybe you're pretending. Pretending. I say this all the time, but I, I, think, I think church is one of the places where probably we lie the most. You know what I'm saying? You know, we come in on a Sunday morning, and no matter what's going on, we force a smile to our face, and somebody says, how you doing? And we go, oh, I'm fine. How are you? And they say, oh, I'm fine, too. And a lot of times, both of you have lied, because neither one of you are fine, you know? And we're just, we're pretending. Or maybe some of you are searching. Maybe some of you think, you know there's a God, and you know he's out there, and you know there's something out there, but you're not quite sure what it is, but... You, you've kind of sensed it, and you're reaching toward it. You know what the great news is? In Jeremiah 29, 13, the Lord says, you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so if you open that heart to God, guess what? You, he will come. Where, where, wherever you are today, I want to speak to you about some things that I think that you need to hear. Are you ready? Here you go. Wherever you are, now you understand this, God already knows. Wherever you are, God already knows. <laughs> you know, when, when God's in the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? It wasn't because he didn't know where Adam was. You do get that. It wasn't like God, you know, come, comes into the garden and he goes, man, what? I, I know I made a man. Where, where did he go? Where did I put him? You know, it, it, was, it wasn't that God had lost him somewhere. God knew exactly. It's kind of like, how many of you have kids or have had kids before? Yeah, you'll get this. You ever seen go in your kid's room and they've, they've torn it all up? 
you know, and you walk in and you go, what have you done? You know, and it's like, not that you don't know what they've done. You know what they've done. You're just letting them know you've noticed what they've done. Well, that's kind of what it is with, with, with God. He's not saying that because he doesn't know where Adam is. He's just letting Adam know you're not where you're supposed to be. Look at me. Don't miss this. I don't know where you are, what you're going through, what part of this journey on, but here's what I can tell you. God knows exactly where you are. Exactly where you are. And some of us, you know, sometimes we, we drift away from God and sometimes we get to places where we go, you know, I'm not even sure God can see me anymore. Maybe, maybe I can't feel God. Maybe I can't see God. Well, even when you can't feel God or see God, God still sees you. Love the passage of scripture, Psalm 11, verse 4. It says, the Lord is sitting in his sacred temple on his throne in heaven. Read this out loud with me. He knows everything we do because he sees all. Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, talks about Andrei Bitov, who is a, a Russian novelist. And Andrei grew up uh, in communist uh, regime where he, he was told from the time he was young, there is no God. And you go up and that's all you know is all you know. But just think with me for a second. Can you imagine how bleak life would be if all you, if you thought that this was all there is? Can you imagine being at some difficult places and just thinking for a moment, believing that there was no God, there was no higher power, there was no one who could help you through that? Can you imagine how overwhelming and how dark uh, life would become? But it was interesting, Rick talks about uh, Andre's experience, and he, he, he quotes, quotes Andre himself writing this, and Andre said, in my, my 27th year, when I was 27 years old, while riding the metro in Leningrad, he said, I was overcome with a despair so great that life just seemed to stop all at once, preempting the future entirely, let alone any meaning. And he, then he said, and then suddenly, he, all by itself, he said, a phrase appeared in my mind. And here's what it was. Without God, life makes no sense. Now think this thought with me for a second. Here's a guy, he doesn't believe in God, hasn't been taught anything about God. All he knows is that life is dark and bleak and, and it just seems like there's, no, there's nothing there for the future and then out of nowhere, he hears this phrase in his mind, without God, life makes no sense. And he said this, this phrase kept repeating itself and he said in astonishment, he said, I just, I just grabbed hold of that phrase and I rode that phrase up like a moving staircase. He said, I got out of the metro, and he said, and I walked into God's light. Oh, don't miss this. Andre had no idea where God was. He hadn't heard about God. He couldn't see God, but God could see him. I don't know where you are. Don't know what you're going through. This is what I can tell you. God sees you. He knows exactly where you're at. Amen? You bet. Wherever you are, here's some great news. You can come out. 
wherever you are, you can come out. Just like Adam came out from those trees from his hiding, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, as God speaks that to you, you can, you too, you can come out. Well, Pastor Steve, what do you mean? Well, a few things. God can forgive your sin if you confess it. God can forgive your sin if you confess it. You know, sometimes we, 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 we think that we've, we've gone too far and we, we've done too much. In fact, some of you probably think, boy, Pastor Steve, if I confessed to God what I did, it would, it would just shock him. <laughs> you know, I, I saw a, a cartoon last week. That it was just really funny. There was an older, older woman cartoon called uh, Tilly. And uh, here's the confession. I love it. It says, one of Tilly's favorite boredom breakers is to go down to the local church and traumatize the priest, you know. And I think, you know, and I thought, you know, that's how some of us think about our sin. You know, we think, gosh, Steve, if I, if I told you what I did, man, you'd be going, woo you know? And sometimes I think we think, feel like that's how God will react to our sin. No, 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 he won't. God knows exactly where you're at. And can, do you get this? God not only knows where you're at, knows what you've done, he's prepared for that. He's prepared for that. You know, it's funny. At times, I'll have people in my office, and, and they'll want to confess to me what they've done and how bad they've blown it. And every, every once in a while, when I start talking to people about God's grace, you know, they'll say stuff to me like, Pastor Steve, but you don't, you don't know what I've done. And my response is always the same. No, no, no. The problem is you don't know what God has done. For God so loved you, he sent his one and only son, that if you would just believe in him, you, you could have no longer have to, have to deal with this. You could have freedom from that sin. You could have forgiveness in your life. If you would just believe in him, you too could have everlasting life because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, Amen. What Paul said in Romans, he said, you know what? Where, where sin did abound, guess what? Grace did much more abound. In fact, I love how Eugene Peterson phrased this in the message from Romans 5.20. He says, but sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness that we call grace. Read this out loud with me. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. Everybody say, grace wins. Now, I don't care who you are. Don't care what you've done. Don't care how long you've done it. No matter what, grace wins. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God can forgive your sin. All you gotta do is confess it. Here's one that'll fit for some of you to come out. God can ease your anger if you admit it. God can ease your anger if you admit it. You know why I love the Psalms? They're real. They're real. You know, so often I, th I think we, 
we, we kind of gloss through life and we, we don't really feel like we can be honest with God. But God already knows our hearts, right? He already knows where we're at. But, but I love the psalm because the psalmist is real. Now, I, I love on your outline, Psalm 10, verse 1. Read this out loud with me. He says, why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Come on, I guarantee you some of us have felt that way. It's like, God, where are you? Why haven't you shown up? Why haven't you done this? Why, why do you disappear when I need you the most? Because that's what it feels like sometimes. But we don't talk to God about that. And so we bury that, and that anger creates a distance between us and God. How do you, how do you close that gap? You get honest with God. You get honest with God. Wanda and I had a, had a friend that we made that lived uh, shared our actually shared our duplex with us in in Kansas when we lived there. The gal named Brenda, who uh, we had the privilege of of leading to the Lord, and uh, we're helping her grow in her faith journey. She had no church background, and all of this was brand new, and she was growing and beginning to do really well. She met a guy, and uh, who became her fiance. His name was Jeff. And uh, one day, Jeff ended up going off the road in his Jeep, and he rolled it, and he didn't have his seatbelt on, and and he was killed. And Brenda, as you can imagine, was devastated, just devastated. And like many of us, she blamed God. You know, God, why didn't you protect him? God, why didn't you do something? God, why didn't you make him wear a seatbelt? I mean, all, all of those things that you, that you go through. And in our conversations with her and just kind of, you know, kind of help trying to help comfort her and walk her through that very difficult time. Um, you know, one of the things when, when we talked to her about God, she, you could just see the fury. She's like, I am so mad at God. And you know what our encouragement to her was? Take that anger to God. Tell him how angry you are. Guess what? Look at me. Don't miss this. God is big enough to handle your anger. Amen? He's big enough. He gets it. He knows what you're going through. And God is big enough to to receive that anger that you have because until until you get honest with God, he can't come alongside of you and help ease that pain from your heart and get you to a better place. Does this make sense to you? Thirdly, God can help you with your struggle if you'll share it. God will help you with your struggle. If you share it, I, I mentioned this when I was talking about where are you, that some of us are a place of, that we're struggling. And Do you take that struggle, those struggles to God? Do you allow him to open it at, or do you keep those struggles all to yourself? Look at me, hear my heart. Do you share those struggles? Do you allow God to use other people to come alongside of you and help you through those times? That's why he gave us one another. Um, I love the passage of Scripture again from Psalm 120, verse 1. Read it out loud with me. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he did what? He answered my prayer. But you've got to be real. 
I have a, a buddy back in PA named Brent Henderson. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's Brent and his wife, Stacy. Brent is a, uh, he's a really cool guy. He uh, does a lot of men's ministry stuff. He's an outdoorsman, does all kinds of hunting and fishing kinds of, kinds of stuff, kind of a manly man. And um, he posted a, a thing on Facebook this last week that I thought was just so cool. He talked about his wife, Stacy, and her passion that she has to come alongside of people who are aging. And he talked about particularly this one friend. Um, this, he said there's a very special lady, an older woman, that Stacy has been friends with for 17 years. And uh, this woman is now 102 years old. And he just talked about how this elderly woman recently hurt her back. She broke something in her back. But instead of putting her in the hospital, um, they have put her now in a nursing home. And that's where basically she's going to stay now until she dies. And talked about how Stacy visits her every day and how Stacy comforts her, talks with her and this uh, relationship that they develop. But what was really cool as I was reading this was the honesty and the vulnerability of this 102-year-old woman of allowing Stacy to come alongside of her. And here, here's what he said. I just thought this was so cool. Brent was there with her, and he said, as I watched Stacy interact with this woman who has become like a grandmother to her, he said, I was listening to every word the two of them spoke to each other. Um, he said, there were words of life, love, family, memories, and an eternal home, a place where this woman says Jesus is waiting for her with many of her friends. Says she is now talking about heaven more frequently as she knows her days in this life are numbered. And before Stacy leaned forward to hug and kiss her goodbye, the woman asked her, I just love this, the woman asked her if it was okay to cry. And Stacy said yes. And when Stacy leaned forward and kissed the woman on her head and gently wrapped her arms around her, these woman's, this woman's tears began to fall. And he said, and you began to hear the sounds of a weakened and exhausted vocal cords. He said, broke the silence with the tone of someone who is ready, ready to go home. He said, before we left, this still mentally sharp woman recited a quote that let us know she's ready to go, but that it's physically painful for her. It went something like, going to heaven is easy. It's the getting there that's hard. <laughs> that's a great quote. He says, she's ready, and I'm so thankful that she has Stacy to help comfort and cradle her as she is only a few breaths away from eternal life. May we all love and be loved like that. Love matters. And when I read that story, one of, the, one of the thoughts that hit me is how cool is it that this 102-year-old woman is able to be vulnerable enough with Stacy to allow her to come alongside of her in her place of struggle where Stacy gets to be the hands and the voice and the comfort of God. Look at me. Please hear my heart. If you're struggling, you don't have to struggle by yourself. God loves you, and so do we. And God can come alongside of you, sometimes with the simple presence of his Holy Spirit, and sometimes in flesh and blood through other people who can walk with you through whatever you're going through.
wherever you are, you can come out. God can forgive the sin. God can help ease that anger, or God can walk with you through that struggle. Can I give you one more? Wherever you are, God wants to draw closer. Wherever you are, God wants to draw closer. You know, I, I love in the story with, with Adam how even though Adam was hiding, God comes to the garden as usual to meet him there. God, God took the first step to be where Adam could get to him. And then what did God do? God waited. God took that step, letting Adam know, I want to be with you. Where are you? It's time to come out. But then he waited, just like God waits on us. We've got to decide what we're going to do with that. Because wherever you are, no matter what you're going through, God wants to come to you. He, want, he won't force himself upon you, but he is making himself available to you. Remember the verse we started off with early this morning when, at the beginning of the worship service from James 4.8, I quoted this for you. Read it out loud with me. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Again, look at me. No matter what you've done, what you've been through, where you're at, some of you may feel like you're not worthy to be in the presence of God. And you know what? None of us are worthy to be in the presence of God. But he has made us worthy by his son. I don't care where you're at. You are still a prized possession of your heavenly father. Some of you have been aware there's a, been a strong market for selling houses in the last several months. And I saw one this last week that I, I thought was rather interesting. Throw that picture up on the screen. How many of you, that looks like a house you're ready to buy? What would you give for that house? How many of you give 50000 for that house? 40? 30? 20? Do I hear five? <laughs> this is an actual house that went on the market last week. Walnut Creek, California. You know what it was put on the market at? Anybody want to make a guess? $850,000. As is. $850,000. And you know what? In three days, they had eight cash offers above the asking price. How many of you are saying, Pastor, I'm thankful I don't live in California? <laughs> And what they said, what the realtor said, I thought was so interesting. She said, you know what, even, even if you gut the house or you completely raise, he said, the, the property all by itself, this place right here is, is, is worth it to, to build again. And when I saw that, I thought, you know, when some of us look at that, some of us would say, Pastor Steve, that's my life, man. 
my life. I've, I've trashed it. I've burned it. I've, I've blown it. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm, I'm not worth anything. Look at me. Yes, you are. You have incredible, intrinsic value to God. You are the pearl of great price that God would pay anything to possess. You are the buried treasure in a field that Christ was willing to die for to bring you in to his kingdom. He, you are a million dollar burnout home. <laughs> That's how much God loves you. Here's the deal. You take one step toward God wherever you're at and God will come running to you. Amen. I'm gonna ask Chuck to go ahead and come on back out and ask him to lead us in a, in a song this morning as we get ready to close out. And Chuck's gonna lead us in this, this song and then I'm, I'm gonna pray a prayer for us and I love this song because it's, it's a song of invitation that basically says, wherever you are, wherever you are, come to the altar. The altar is just a place where you meet with God. And while we sing that this morning, we have a physical altar here, and some of you would like to slip out and come and stand or kneel and have a moment before God and say, God, you know where I'm at and how much I need you. You're more than welcome to do that. But right where you're sitting, that's an altar too. Because wherever your heart bows before God, that's an altar. And, and I want to invite you in these next few moments while we sing this song to, to find that altar for yourself. And wherever you are, would you just take a step toward God? Would you let him wrap his arms of love, and grace, and mercy, and strength around you? Would you let him embrace you to take you to where you need to be? You can confess your sin. You can admit your anger. You can open your heart and say, God, I'm struggling. God will meet you at your point of need. Our Father, this morning, how thankful we are that you never give up on us. How thankful we are that when you, when you created Adam and Eve and you put them in the garden, you, you knew there was a good chance they were going to fall flat on their faces and not live up to the commitment that they made. And you were fully prepared for that. And you're fully prepared for us wherever we are. Lord, you know each and every one of us here better than we know ourselves. And you know exactly where we're at in our journey with you. And Father, I pray today. I pray today that you would give us the faith. That you would give us the courage. That wherever we are, Lord, just to, to take a step towards you. To do not let guilt hold us back. To not let fear hold us back. To not love our own, let our own feelings of worthlessness hold us back. That, that we would just take a step in faith believing that there's a God who has arms open wide to us. Lord, wherever we are, you can forgive us. Wherever we are, you can heal us. Wherever you, we are, you can give us the strength to, to keep moving. Where, wherever we are, Lord, you can, you can change us. We just have to get honest with you about where that's at. 
So, Father, today, lay your hand upon each and every one that's here. Lay your hand upon each and every one who's watching online this morning, who's bowing their heads right there in their, their own living room or bedroom. And, and you know what they need today. Let them know, Lord, that you, you saw them. You saw them right where they were long before they even thought about asking for help. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. Oh Lord, as we step forward in faith, meet us here with your glory and your grace and your power. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.